0: everyone welcome back to another episode of college and career coffee chats i'm so so excited i have my hermana here my sister across i was gonna say across the pond but you're not in london you are in iowa which feels <laughs> like across the pond <laughs> um, it has moments it feels that way yeah. <laughs> where am uh, i i don't yeah, know yeah where are we it's a time warp um but her <laughs> name is samantha mesa And I'm so excited to have her here because she is a morning anchor reporter for Good Morning Iowa, the ABC affiliate in Des Moines, Iowa. She has anchored and reported for CBS, ABC, NBC, Fox affiliate from the Texas and Mexico border to Rochester, New York. And she's originally from Colorado. She earned her master's degree from Columbia University's Graduate School of Journalism in New York where she covered news in the five boroughs. And she earned her bachelor's from the University of Colorado with honors in communication and political science. So Samantha has some great experiences that we're gonna unpack in this episode and also talk through TRIO student support services. We both connected through a Facebook group where we talked about TRIO and we instantly vibed and chatted about all of that. I'm currently at NYU in New York. So of course we vibed about Columbia and New York and all of those fun things. Um, but before I hand it over to her to tell her story in her words, I want to cheers. She has an amazing mug to share with us. <laughs>
1: uh, I love coffee, by the way. <laughs> yes, I love coffee. Oh, too. Um, I got this mug because it's just how I try to start my day. You know, it feels so intentional and powerful and like
0: just centered. So. The cheers to an amazing conversation yes Yay. And, if, and if you're not watching this on youtube it says wake pray and slay <laughs> so i love that so uh-huh. make sure you grab your coffee your tea your water whatever you want to chat with us today we are recording friday in new york city and iowa together this is why i love zoom we could be in two different states and energies and like collide. Mix of cultures, and I, I love that
1: uh, we're in such different places culturally, but in the same country.
0: You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're ripping. Yes. <laughs> so, like I mentioned, uh, Samantha is first generation Mexican, Irish, and French, and has many experiences overcoming barriers with education. And we connected through uh, Triodos Support Services. And for Gilman Scholarship, so we're Gilman alum together, we're TRIO alum together. Like, it's it's crazy to me how TRIO and Gilman and Fulbright is like the gift that keeps on giving, connecting with people all over the yeah. world. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it,
1: it speaks so much to a
0: network and the power of connecting, right? And you just never know. Exactly. So how would you define first generation? Um, through your experiences, not the textbook definition we can Google or find with like NASPA and stuff, but your yeah. own personal journey. For
1: me, it's been um, navigating alone in the dark without any flashlight, uh, n- not being able to see anything I got to watch out for, um, any safer ways to go, any more efficient ways to go. It is just sort of like uh, figure it out. And if you don't figure it out, you you may only get so far. And uh, being first generation, what I learned through my experiences was you have to understand the barriers that you're having to navigate. And you have to understand that you're facing different marginalizations um, than your counterparts that are not first gen. Uh, You have to really identify the just uh, challenge after challenge after challenge that you're going to need support. You're going to need guidance outside of what your family can offer. And it's, I think recognizing that is critical because that's where you hone in on like problem solving. And then like, and. for for me, education was at times brutally stressful to get through being first gen. At the same time, it I, the positive I see in it is it made me very aware of so many different, I had to think about everything all the time. Mm. Uh, and I had to figure out a way through what looked like the end of the road if I didn't figure something out. Uh, First gen is very much almost like go harder, get shut down, you know, like you've really got to give it everything you got. You can't afford to be complacent or get comfortable even and just think like, okay, okay, we're good. Okay. I I finished that class. I did that presentation. I, you know, I paid for my next semester of school. You have to constantly be looking ahead Mm. and problem solving because um, if you don't you could fall behind um it, it, there's just so many ways that your education can just come to a stop and it doesn't happen uh so it's like as the saying goes when after you have to work twice that's the cat's um cat's uh food feeder it's automated
0: I love that <laughs> we, we love a little pet action calling
1: for food <laughs>
0: we love a good pet action they want to be part of our, our journey too
1: it's like by the way stop stressing out it's fine just have a snack yeah um, but it is it's stressful to think yeah. back uh to you know my undergrad experience for many reasons and I know that um you have unpacked uh a diverse diverse experiences of the different challenges that come with being first gen and really there's no, there's no one to guide you unless you get connected with mentors, uh, people that are willing to invest in you. Otherwise, our families do not know
0: mm-hmm.
1: the system. Um, and I mean, it's it's just, and it is kind of endless in undergrad. I think back to it and I think of like, uh, <laughs> I there were some times I just couldn't relax and just enjoy my education because I was constantly worrying about have i you know applied for financial aid have i applied for this scholarship um what book am i gonna need next for this class and it's um if you don't think steps ahead you're gonna have to drop a class and then that adds another semester and you know we're navigating, we're juggling probably taking care of family to an extent we're working we are trying to build A career through our education. And it's just, you're burning at both ends. um, And it kind of, there's no way around that. Um, So, Trio was a lifesaver for me uh, because I didn't have to explain everything I was trying to navigate and figure out. They knew, they had an idea at least that I need major support. And then they also, like, anything that was happening i went through a lot of traumatic experiences in undergrad um and with every problem every like you know crisis i was experiencing they were steady they put the time in they stayed late on campus with me mm-hmm. um so i guess like what does it mean to be first gen it means you're a scrapper in a and i mean that kind of like a we know how to hustle we don't have any other choice but we also we have a grit that is like we also have a very deep gratitude for mm-hmm. our families and we have a deep understanding of struggle and uh we're fighters you know we believe in the power of education and that it's it's kind of not an option to um i guess to be you know kind of overcome or like have and ed- education is not just college uh, mm-hmm. education is trade school education is right. just pursuing something that, you know, you can bring a solution to a problem and, you know, bring value to the table. We just don't have the luxury of, of, uh, you know, quitting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah. The luxury. I, I'm, to- thankful for that because, I'm thankful for that because, uh, it, it pushes you to a place where, you know, you want to find your place in society and education for me was a game changer because it showed me, I can create a life that my parents did not have the agency to do. My grandparents didn't have the ability to do. Um, and now, you know, I'm where I'm at in life. I am, I'm learning more and more and more about how to, um, live with intention and everything I went through and experienced now I can actually give insight and support to other people that are trying to get through that place of instability. So that's a very long answer, but it's also, it's you know, the there's, <laughs> there's a lot. Yeah. There's so many layers to it. And, you know, you say the textbook layer lay textbook explanation is okay. So you look up trio First mm-hmm. gen, low income, um, students with disabilities, uh, you know, it's like those three little umbrella terms, the daily struggles that come with those categories, <laughs> 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 like we're tired.
0: <laughs> no wonder we hit 30 and we're like, we're tired. Like we've been at this for years.
1: We, we grow up so fast.
0: Yes. I think that's something that I've uh, talked a lot through with students is that they say I have to, you mentioned like take care of family members or like support financially like mortgage or rent or like to keep the lights on to keep eating as a family and the pressure that's on to survive on students and having to navigate maybe a predominantly white institution where their counterparts are not dealing with that, they're just going to class and like existing, whereas you're doing all these other things. um, It makes you really tired and burnt out. And these spaces have to exist for you to just, even if it's for 10 minutes or an hour out of a day or a week to just exist where you don't have to constantly explain why mm-hmm. you're doing all these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, takes away from that college experience because you're constantly in explaining mode. Even sometimes to staff members who don't work with first-generation students, right? Mm-hmm. Like maybe yeah. student affairs staff who don't know. They just don't know. And yeah. they ask questions that just don't match a first-generation student's lived experience, right?
1: Yeah. And also we do not want to come off as complaining. Mm. That is a very much like, we're just trying to hold it together and we almost feel like, what do I got to do to show I can hang with this, you know, room of, you know, more privileged counterparts? Like, what do I got to do to look like I got this? Mm-hmm. You know, It's like, you definitely start to um, just figure out how to poke her face, you know, because it's, it is a lot. Sometimes you feel like you're almost having a therapy session, but you're just like, i I got a lot I'm trying to to process go through yeah it's a lot and I even oh gosh it just brings back so many memories and I'm like yeah I feel for
0: college and you're still processing 10 years later however many years you're out of college you're like a moment comes back and you're like wait a minute like I was actually doing a full-time load maybe working three odd jobs and like trying to figure out post-graduation at the same time. No wonder I was stressed. No wonder I was tired. No wonder I was like overwhelmed at the, and then also I studied psychology. So I always bring it back to like where you're cognitively developing. Like your, your frontal lobe is not fully developed until you're 25. So you're 21, 19, 22, 23, trying to figure this out. It's like your brain is not processing the way it should be processing. Cause it's literally not developed yet. <laughs> and it's also in hyper stress mode. Exactly. And that is a blocker
1: of retaining information and then processing because college is all about research and then analyze and what does it all mean you know it's it's very much you got to be um you have to be very present and able to think analytically Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. really hard to do when you're running on fumes because there's just so much pressure on you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think like I w- I would have I would have definitely enjoyed, I probably would have just been more present in my classes. Um that if I was, you know, I guess if if I was just in a different circumstance. Like right. I and I did. I also, and that's something too, like, we are so hard on ourselves in how an academic achievement, I mean, it's almost like, you know, the mentality sees get you degrees. That was not even optional because I was like, I need to get scholarships Mm -hmm. to help myself get through this. So that wasn't an option. And, um, it's, it's, it's definitely being first gen. You have to like, give yourself some grace and try Mm -hmm. to just enjoy the experience in whatever morsels you can. I mean, I remember like going outside (laughs) between classes and just like sitting by a tree. And I was like, I like this tree. Nature's good for my body. (laughs) And I was
0: like Like, just touch it. It
1: gets a good and and then you're just like, Okay, that's my break for the
0: day. Back (laughs) Back to going. Yeah. (laughs) Touch (laughs) the tree for like 20 minutes. You're like, I need this energy to ground. It works, though. <laughs> it works. It really does. Or, like, go ground yourself, sit on the floor. I mean, on the grass, not the floor, the grass.
1: Specifically,
0: specifically, <laughs> I sit on the floor, too. <laughs> specifically nature <laughs> to get that good energy. Yeah.
1: No, it, it really
0: – that's so true. And, and now that we're talking about, like, first gen – did you feel that you had to choose a specific major, or how did you uh, negotiate maybe following journalism, which might seem like a, a luxurious degree versus the typical? Oh, yeah. You could be a doctor, mm-hmm. a lawyer, or an engineer to have a full time, good paying job. Um, that sometimes yeah. we hear in these narratives of first gen or like immigrant families or or like um, uh, typically underrepresented folks. Mm-hmm. Do you think I you had to remember- navigate that?
1: Yeah, yeah 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 um and i'm i'm going to just give a little bit of background mm-hmm. uh for why i chose journalism oh yes and um that so my upbringing i was raised uh cleaning houses that was my job um early early age i mean cleaning houses with my mom and then uh you know uh, my dad had a construction company and so I was on construction sites with him and I was, you know, there with my brothers, huge family. And me and my siblings were his employees. (laughs) And, um, we, we, we spent a lot of time on construction sites just from the ground up. And I also spent a lot of time working on his horse ranch, cleaning out horse stalls. And so, for me, work um, was I mean, I had messed up hands from breaking ice in uh, horse water bins and um, constantly, <laughs> you know, working in horse stalls that your shoes smell like horse poop. There's a hat, cat hair. <laughs> <on>. <laughs> um, but I just I just remember like always it's just physical. Everything was outside. Ranch farm kid constantly cleaning up after people. Uh, cleaning up construction sites, cleaning up after horses. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it was very, it was just, you know, very physical and and just kind of in trenches. And um, as a kid, there were two distinct experiences for me when I was starting to uh, discover my interests, Uh, mine, aside from, uh, you know, just whatever I'm told to do. And I loved watching Oprah, Mm -hmm. Oprah, her ability to, make people feel seen, talk about any and every issue, light or deep. Um, She's so skilled with navigating conversations. And I was just enamored by her. I mean, as a kid, I don't know a whole lot of kids that are like really like, obsessed with Oprah because <laughs> I got made fun of loving watching her. I mean, I would watch her religiously four o'clock every single day. And um, then I started watching news. Uh, coverage of events like Hurricane Katrina, 9-11, and I could not look away from the TV. And my mom was like, she's like, you got to give it a break. You're going to have bad dreams. Like it is so much negativity. It's all the bad things happening in the world. And I was like, why don't you care about what's happening to these people? And I was just like, these reporters, I saw journalists as superheroes, like Mm. the Like working out of a place of compassion, courage, and then a lot of hustle because they've got to hold, you know, the powers that be accountable or they've got to figure out, find solutions. I mean, they're literally like going to the crisis
0: Mm. and
1: then just trying to get those stories told. It's a dangerous job. And I didn't Mm. even think of it as being dangerous when I was uh you know just glued to the TV because I just I don't know they their energy I I just felt like they are are superheroes. You know, they're everyday superheroes. And um then in going into high school I had an opportunity. The other interest that I developed, I discovered um was doing hair. Mm. And my dad ran a women's halfway home when I was like 14, 15 in that range. And um I started doing these girls, women, young women's hair uh, just because I was bored (laughs) and I wanted to make them feel good about themselves. I love that. I was always, 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 I drove my mom crazy when I was growing up because I always wanted my hair done and I wanted her to dress me up cute to go to school. And I drove her insane because I was like this high maintenance little kid. But then, you know, I was like, well, I like doing hair and I'm good at it. And so I started doing these girls hair because honestly, people that are going through a halfway home, mm-hmm. they're going through a lot of trauma and instability and they have low self-esteem if any. Right. And as a kid, it was awkward and kind of some tension at times because, um, it's there's, there's like very little social skills developed. Mm. And so I was like, well, maybe doing their hair, will just at least be an icebreaker. So I do their hair and, um, it actually took the edge off, and you know we're just teenagers from very different backgrounds. And I would do their hair, and I just, you know, I'd just kind of get to know them. And then before you know it, they're like, "Oh, okay," and they're just <laughs> like, "There you go, there you go." Like, oh, I guess we're cool now. I don't know, but I, I feel like you don't hate me as much, <laughs> you know? So like, so that that developed, and then. An interesting experience happened when I was um, 16. I heard about a cosmetology school that gave full ride scholarships to deserving, you know, like not, not, not just deserving, but people that qualify low income, like Mm -hmm. you can get a full scholarship if you come from a family that otherwise couldn't put you through beauty school. And, uh, and then like show that, give us a reason, like, are you passionate about this? And I was like, well, I like, I really want to learn to do hair. I'm like, I've been doing it. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to also from my background, I was told, and this is just kind of co- part comes with being in a marginalized community. I was told you're not going to make it through college and, uh, figure something out. Cause you know, you're, you know, you're, you're in this community over here. And, um, I, so I had in my mind, like, I'm not smart enough for college. And when I got to the beauty, I got accepted into the beauty school on full ride scholarship and a big deciding factor. They're like, so if you, if you don't get the scholarship, are you still going to choose coming to the school? And I was like, no, my parents don't have the money. Like that's a flat no. Okay. And then they are like, okay, well, you're in, you're in, we'll give you the money. They told us, they told our class. Oh gosh. And this is, it's just such an unfortunate, um, it's, it's an unfortunate stereotype. Okay. There's a lot of, a lot of uh, a high Hispanic uh, demographic in that area. And in that class, um, it wasn't just a stigma towards the Hispanic community though. it We were just told as a group of women,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, you're going to need this cosmetology license to pay your bills because when you start having babies and say your man leaves you, you're going to have to figure out how to pay the bills. And I was just like, <laughs> Oh, that put us, is put us great. in a box. Won't you like that is a great way to start the, what I was very excited about. But then I was just like, I mean, first gen, you know, I, what's my chances of getting into college. So, Um, that was an experience that it was like, really, I mean, this is just demoralizing. I'm just like, God, why do you just pretty much look at, you make us all a statistic. Mm -hmm. You're talking to us all like we're a statistic and, you know, more power to all of us if we choose to have kids and like, don't, don't talk to us in such a, uh, demeaning degrading Mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. um so that was really frustrating um and it I didn't even I didn't have you know I didn't even realize how much I internalized that Mm -hmm. and I was just like god because like as a at that age and um you know when people say things to you that are discriminatory or stereotyping or put you into this stigmatized group that you're like yeah. I, that's kind of the way people talk to me. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're just like, you don't have the, I guess like the,
0: the, like, the language.
1: To, yeah. Be like, the language. Yeah, Like that's actually really problematic what you just said to me. And I don't appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I I'm going to make, you know, I hope to be able to have the ability to make choices in my life to create the path I want. And who are you to judge? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, uh, an experience that really intimidated me from college. So fast forward to, um, when I did finally, when I did decide to go to college, I was 22 and, um, I was so intimidated. Oh my gosh, I was just relieved. I got in, um, and then figuring out the financial aid and everything. So when I was in my freshman year, I had I started studying journalism and it didn't occur to me that journalism was maybe a luxury of a career to pursue because I never perceived it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, it was about hustle and being an advocate. And I knew it wasn't known to be a high paying job, but I wasn't thinking about money. I was thinking about purpose mm-hmm. and believing in work. And also knowing about like the representation in news has gotten better, but it was not good Mm -hmm. uh, when I first got into it. So I just thought like, you know, I was interested even in advocacy journalism. And um, as I, for I think I got like two years into my degree. And mind you, it's the stories you, 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 the stories that are given ex- as examples these are like war zone type of coverage this is traumatic events like you have to understand you're going to meet people on their worst day um and and so it was like kind of in my mind it was almost like being a first responder you have to be calm and you it requires a very high emotional intelligence and also critical thinking like real quick you got these deadline stories you're writing and your words matter what you say has an effect i mean it can change the course of history mm-hmm. uh so i journalism the journalism degree got cut midway through oh, no. my yeah i was just like, I was like you you know throw me a bone like that? <laughs> it was so hard to get this degree. Um, so everybody, the talk was that journalism is dying. And you know, it started with print journalism, but then it was going into it, I mean, broadly, every the degree got cut, and I was just like, oh my gosh, that sucks. <laughs> so I, then I routed to communication. and, um, It's just been a very zigzag path when it comes to education because if you study communication, it well, and also being first gen, I didn't have the time to get an internship in my undergrad. And so that is a pivotal door opener um, at that time. So I know we talked about this, like internships, especially Mm -hmm. unpaid internships are a a luxury, Mm -hmm. but it's necessary. It's a game changer. And it's sort of like, you have to be in a space where you can afford to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: So that's a, that's a long question, long, long answer. But that's, you know, that's no. what led and me. What you just journalist. said,
0: the, the journey is not linear, right? It's a zigzag mm-hmm. path. And I think even more zigzag, adding so many layers of um, underrepresentation, first gen, and a lot of obstacles that we have to face as a community. So I think that's why it's important to, Give the space for you or anyone on this podcast to share that journey and share that zigzag because unless we talk about it, no one's gonna know. Like people are gonna see the highlights wow. on your website or on your Instagram and oh, be yeah, like, yeah, highlight Col- reel. Col- Columbia, BA. Like she's at um she's in Iowa now, but at the end of the day, there's a lot of work that went behind the scenes to get that highlight reel, right? So, I think that's why I love this podcast to unpack all of that and like all those layers. Um, I did have a question. How long was your uh, beauty school program before you went to your undergrad? 13 months. Okay.
1: Um, it went from a, one summer to the next summer. Okay. And it was for high schoolers to do it part time through the school year and then oh, grind okay. it
0: out full each summer. Okay. Okay. And yeah. those are, like, kind of the trade school options that they have, um, which can be good because if you don't know what you want to do for undergrad, that's a good kind of trying to figure oh, out, like, absolutely. beauty school or another trade school. Absolutely. But I also sometimes see it as a, as a tool to, to continue oppressing these communities, like you just absolutely. mentioned, like – telling these young girls, you need to get this degree because you might lose your husband later or like you're going to have kids. It's like, how about we talk about something else? Can we reframe this? Like if you want to go to beauty school because you love and are passionate is one thing, but don't go here because it's the only thing, you know? Yeah, and they also talk to us like a lot
1: of us are going to be high school dropouts and then probably beauty school dropouts. So they set us up with a uh, very low self worth yeah and it's pretty much just like yeah a lot of you are gonna flake out and it's like, like it, and but that was that was a very normalized conversation
0: which is so sad which is why I, in a way I work still in education because I want to I, I know I'm not gonna save all the students or like support everyone that's not that's impossible but at least through this podcast or through my conversations with anyone, I hope they feel empowered to figure out what it is they love and what they want to and do. That's journalism or that music. That's, or the, that's the game
1: changer. It's like, um, you, you have to believe in yourself. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But, um, there has to be- I mean, you have to have, like, you gotta have somebody. Um, when I was first in beauty school and, um, my, I I was like, you know, I just kind of had this, I I had very low self-worth and I kept, my older brother was the only sibling to be in college and graduate. And, um, I kept on just being like, you know, he, he kept telling me you should go to college. You should go to college because he saw how passionate I really was about journalism. And I think he also saw too, he's like, you underestimate yourself. Mm. And it's because of these, things that are being said to you, Mm -hmm. uh, that you're believing them. And he just said, he was like, you should go to college. And I would tell him I'm not smart enough. Mm -hmm. I I can't, I couldn't have college. Like who am I to sit in a room with other people that, you know, are so far ahead of me in their privilege and access in life. And I'm like, that terrifies me.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And he, he was really, him and my grandfather were very much like, Um, and my dad, you know, he was encouraging too. He just didn't have any, he didn't have any, uh,
0: insight to give. Right. Like the, the social and cultural capital to push us to do it versus the like fatherly emotional, like support. It's like, we need both. We need the social cultural support on how to do it. And then we also need the emotional, psychological, like motivation from family or friends. So yes.
1: Cause when family, when family life is falling apart, it, college feels like a, it feels like a lifeline,
0: but also a luxury. Mm. And yes. that's really hard to navigate. For sure. Did you go f- straight to Columbia out of undergrad or did you work a little bit before you decided to go to grad school? Cause that's a whole other like decision-making process. Yeah. <laughs> I worked for a couple of years okay.
1: in, I, mean, I guess it was just about a year. I worked in some nonprofits, in downtown Denver. And um, I was just kind of hitting a wall in you. It's just really hard to get your foot in the door in media, unless you've got a journalism degree, an internship under your belt, a connection, Mm -hmm. and it just was not happening. And so I decided I decided to bank on myself, I decided to start applying to grad programs. And I applied to Columbia. And that was a, I mean, I felt like oh, I'm like ha, this is fun. I'm gonna <laughs> fly to Columbia, but then I also was just like, I that program, I was like, that's the one. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna do it, like, I want to go to Columbia. Um, yeah. and I told myself, I was like, if I get accepted, I'm going. And um, I maybe it was just that self talk and the belief that, you know, if I get in. That is like what more sign do I need in life? <laughs> you know' Columbia is the number one journalism school. and um, and then, you know, i I didn't to the idea of being at an Ivy League, I mean, that was just out of this world when you're, you know you're first just just considering everything mm-hmm. in my background um. To think about, you know, being like worthy and, yeah,
0: yeah, and also yeah. the and a huge transition from Denver and Colorado energy to New York energy. It's is different. Yeah, i I had never been to New York either,
1: so I was just. I think that I think that is the journalist in me, though. Mm-hmm. Like game and. Yeah. Um, this is about learning the world and different cultures and different systems, different people. And I think like that is in my DNA. Mm. And so to when I got my acceptance letter uh from Columbia, yeah, I screamed. <laughs> I <laughs> cried. <laughs> Celebrate. Yeah. Well, and then I, and then I kind of, you know, I had a I'm like a shook moment. I was like, I actually am going to do this now. I'm like, I don't know if I really believed I was going to get accepted. <laughs> now I actually have to do this. <laughs> so, and, then I totally accepted. and I'm like, so here we are. And I'm like, suddenly I feel like everything I ate is just going through me. I was <laughs> like, oh my God, what did I do?
0: <laughs> and how long is was the program? One year or two years? A
1: year, just over a
0: year. A year. Yeah. Okay
1: is a no sleep. Boot yeah.
0: Camp. It's like you were, you're in it yeah. and you're in it.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. It goes so fast. Uh, but yeah, it was a little over a year and um, it went too fast in some ways. And then in yeah. other ways, you're just like, I'm dying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. 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 <sighs> That's so true. I mean, my program is two years but and it's already the second semester of the first year, but I'm like, it's going fast, but also, like, there's a lot happening behind the scenes. Um, oh,
1: man. It's but... though,
0: I, I guess, like, thing, I wish I
1: would have been able to have more of these kind of conversations, mm-hmm. you know, because you're under so much deadline constantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, These kind of just cultivating more relationships and being like really
0: present. Mm -hmm. Um, I wish it would have been a longer
1: program for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because relationship building takes time and like building spaces to connect with people. Like I think this semester I'm more involved in all the community building versus first semester. You're just like trying to get your bearings. Yeah. And I do
1: think the 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 programs, you know, different masters programs, PhDs, they have a reason behind that. Mm mm-hmm. um, Whether it works or not, ugh, debatable. Right. Um, but I know that they the different phases of masters are. are shaped to develop you in different ways Mm -hmm. and develop your capacity for stress Mm -hmm. uh your capacity for working on your deadline your you know creative flow like there's a rhythm and reason to it um but it's kind of hard to see it Mm -hmm. when you're going through it as a first gen (laughs)
0: you know because
1: you're just like great here's another what, what, what wait there's more like I just <laughs> like this out, but all of a sudden you're coming at me with something else
0: <laughs> I know we were talking about that with a friend we're like we didn't realize there were so many theories and methods of like analysis and training behind like the language of grad school so I'm having mm. this moment this week of processing that is like I thought I, obviously I did research and all that stuff but in undergrad but I'm there's just another layer there's just always so much more to like keep deepening into that if someone who in my family didn't do their master's in the United States they don't know or like a PhD in the United States they just don't have that level of like training as they say in academia totally. so totally. yeah, that language I'm trying it's a new language that I'm learning which is fun because I love languages right I traveled I speak Different languages, so it's like okay. If I can shift my mindset to like think of it as a fun way to learn a language in academia, so I can speak with people, then it takes a little bit of the pressure of like I don't fit in, or maybe I'm oh o- in over my head. Um, so I'm like processing that this week. So um, I love that we're having this conversation now.
1: Yeah, I learned I, I learned something when I got actually into news. I learned that. When you're under the gun and you're just like, all you can think about is everything you have to accomplish and nail, um, you know, for whatever said deadline, Um, it it takes you to a space mentally where you're kind of in fight or flight mode. And you are running on a kind of adrenaline that you're not fully processing um, in a way that You will Mm. a week later when you've had a chance to breathe, maybe work out, do some meditations, have some conversations and relax. And then you actually, it's like reflection. Hindsight is 2020. Yeah. The thing that you were grinding so hard on and trying to complete, um, oh, you know, whatever time later you can look back and be like, oh, it's nothing complicated. Why was I struggling so hard? Why was I so stressed? And it's like, well, because you did have immense pressure on you mm-hmm. and it's hard to think at your fullest, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. mentally present state. And I think that um, I, I realized that in a report I was doing, it was like a triple shooting and it was just, you know, chaos Um, and my, I just had this moment where I was like, oh my gosh, like what do I had to just kind of like do some breathing exercises before my life hit. And just like, what am I needing to communicate to viewers right now? Like, what are the nuggets that we know? It was an active shooting. The, there was a chase going through the city. One of our reporters got shot at. (gasps) And so I was like, I was just like at the scene where the shooting started very graphic situation raw, you know, and there's helicopters flying around. And I just had a moment where I was like, okay, I just, I need to find my Zen right now because I'm about to tell the community uh, what we know and how to keep them safe. And a couple of days later I had, you know, kind of, Taking some breaths and come down from that. And I replayed, you know, our clips and I replayed the day in my mind. And I was like, wow, like I can look at this now from a totally different perspective. And it's because stress, crisis, pressure, all these things, um, you kind of, your brain is trying to protect you. Mm. And something that's interesting with a master's, I know these are like very different circumstances I'm referencing, but a master's really pushes you to your, it pushes you as far as you'll go. And then it pushes you some more. Mm. And it really is about, do you care about this? Like how much are you committed to what you're working at? And I think the master's it's trying to kind of like, uh, help you recreate you. Mm. And sometimes that you, you break things down and relearn them. Right. That, I don't know if that is like resonates at all, but it definitely was a part of my experience.
0: Oh, for sure. It helps you recreate who you are and what you're trying to practice or learn because a master's and a PhD is a commitment to like the work that you want to do in that space. And it's, it is
1: choosing it as a lifestyle.
0: You're there because you want to push knowledge forward, or you want to discover something new, or you want to push any industry forward with what you're learning and, and kind of add to that. So like, we talk about this with my classmates all the time. It's like, we're here because we want to be here. Like we deeply have this desire and love for what we're reading and what we're doing, despite it being complicated and chaos outside sometimes like, mm-hmm. like for example, here I'll pull a book that I is not part of the reading, but I'm reading because it, it connects with what I want to do. Like it's Hans distributions of the sensible aesthetics and politics. So it's a very dense, like politically aesthetic book by a French philosopher from like the Postmodern era that is like so out of what I live to day to day, but it's pulling and pushing my reading and my writing deeper, which is recreating who I am and what I want to do. So I yeah. love what you just said about that, because that's what it is. Yeah. That's what grad school is.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the, even the scenarios that I think of that have shown me um, try to how to be more present. Um it's like the the other thing too, is how, learning how to handle stress mm. and very high expectations. Um, and then, you know, critical thinking, you may be in a room of people that do not agree with your what you're saying, mm-hmm. your whatever you're, you know, it's like debates are uh, respectfully debating, I mm-hmm. think, is a huge part of education. And that helped me. Um, to understand, hey, I have a voice in the room, and it's okay to have a voice that I don't agree with you know, other people, but we can learn from each other and we can at least mm-hmm. be open to dialogue because education is such I what I loved so much about, um, you know, open debate is just healthy dialogue, mm. like hearing each other out. Diversity means having very different experiences Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: you're not going to see eye to eye on everything, but
0: diverse voices in the room. That's how we grow as a society. Mm -hmm. And that's how we learn from each other and like connect and make different like connections within that. Um, That made me think of a question, but I'm blanking. So I'll wait. (laughs) Um. Oh, th- it was about traveling because you said earlier on about um, I got the I got the acceptance. Now I have to go to Colombia and I have to do the thing. Um, and you're excited about connecting with new people, new cultures. And um, I know we talked about this offline. But now that we're recording about undergrad, uh, your experience with Gilman and traveling and what came out of that experience. And like, how did you find Gilman? How did you learn about it? Because um, going in. I have a lot of students who say they want to travel and do things, but then they get nervous because of how to pay for it or how to do it. And with their family responsibilities, maybe they can't physically leave home. Um, But those are all topics I love because I also love to travel and also studied abroad with Gilman. So it's my fave.
1: Oh my gosh. I, I am just, I I support Gilman to the end of the earth. Yeah. Uh, then you'll travel the whole earth so yes (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh it goes back to trio um trio helped me get into Mm. they need to apply for a public policy fellowship because i Uh was trying to you know go down the path of international um you know public work Mm -hmm. Yes, actually. Yes, absolutely. And um, my mentor told me about uh, the Fellowship Institute for International Public Policy. And this is it's a minority fellowship getting underrepresented students into Washington, D.C., and abroad, getting us into learning other languages, critical languages. And so... Gilman was a part of that process. Gilman was the funding uh, to make sure we all got international experiences, mm-hmm. and so layers from Trio. It all goes mm. back to Trio, and so I applied to Gilman, and um, I, you know, pretty much from my mentor at Trio, they were the ones to show me the way, mm. and.
0: Oh by the way applying for scholarships is also a full time job. <laughs> I-, I was just going to say there's something behind the scenes. <laughs> of work? Undergrad and grad students are constantly applying to scholarships, conferences, oh. grants and that's something we also don't really talk about which is something to discuss on the podcast as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
1: it's it's the uh, scholarship applications are necessary and if you don't do them you're going to be cut short on opportunities or you're going to go into a lot of debt Mm -hmm. and that is going to follow you (laughs) after school. And that's like, that's kind of a part of the rigged system, I think, because it's not equal opportunity. And um, it is kind of crazy how much time we have to put into proving Mm. we also belong Mm. study abroad programs we have to show academic excellence. We have to show financial need. We have to show vision for ourselves Mm -hmm. far beyond. We have to articulate a vision for ourselves and what we're going to do with this experience far more than your average applicant who can afford to go. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, that's a lot, you know, you really got to go, you got to do the most. (laughs) You got to do the most. (laughs) You got to be doing the most. And it's like, and then you kind of feel like when you get accepted and you get a scholarship, there's kind of, I don't know if I would call it imposter syndrome, but you almost feel like, wow, they gave me a chance. And you're like, they gave me a chance. I had to do next level convincing them that I am worthy of going like, and then it's like, mm you know, no
0: complaints. Not that. Right. Not no, to but be. that's so true because <laughs> the, you have to like send think, them. You yeah. yeah. You have to send, them, have like, to your, send them like your your like fingerprints, Akron. your arm and your leg to like you you prove. You prove yourself through the wazoo
1: to be yeah. like, I deserve to be here. Uh, and this is the only way I can do it. Yeah. So and I, and I get it. You know, they do. They have to be very um, rigorous with their screening. Um, right there is that it does it is tough though you know when you're just like someone give me a chance
0: just just give it to me please (laughs) don't make me grovel oh my god (laughs) yeah (laughs) i i have to go back to trio too it's like going back to basics i remember my i was already studying abroad in australia for the deadline for gilman for the spring And my, my trio mentor emailed me and was like, make sure you're meeting this deadline, make sure you're applying. I submitted all my stuff, like recommendations and like institutional backing and like transcripts, like all this stuff. And I had to submit my portion and we were, we had a time difference. So she was like, make sure you don't miss the deadline because of the time difference and like all this stuff. And I'm like, wow, this mentor went out of her way to remind me to like, make sure I do this. And that's just Mm -hmm. like, so powerful to oh my to know sure. that we have someone in our in our like in our what's the word in in our like um experience in our spaces to like push us to do it and you know uh, those people are angels mm. uh
1: because they understand for many of us we've never had someone like that in our lives we also come from a lot of stability instability um in that it's like the first time we've had to meet deadlines and go through very detailed processes and articulating a plan, articulating ambition, you know, goals. Uh, We just haven't had that. Mm -hmm. We haven't had such structured processes in our lives. Mm -hmm. And and then to have someone come alongside you and be patient and know that we're probably going to forget a deadline. We're probably going to like forget something that that they got to work up to the 11th hour Mm -hmm. to help us Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and it's 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 a learning curve because once we get past that for a lot of us it's the first of its own experience and we're like ready to pull our hair out but they're just like
0: (laughs) you did it you did it you submitted and that's like the first step to submit the application and then it's like okay you get it or you don't and then you would like actually have to go through the experience (laughs) (laughs)
1: You know? <laughs> Dad, applying for the experience is an experience yeah and and I'm, like having so many conversations with my mentor then he was just like I would come to him and I was like, uh, <laughs> <You know? laughs> like you know? I need like so many things I need to do and he'd go and he'd be like breathe <laughs> just breathe for a second
0: just breathe okay. let's have a zen moment <laughs> I'm gonna walk through this <laughs> Because you know, we're in between classes, and yeah, it's like, okay, you help me with this speech. Yeah, you're like, I'm running to class, I have 30 minutes, like, talk to me. I was a speed walker all through college, (laughs) I was
1: like, I don't got time to walk slow. (laughs) That probably helped in New York City, yeah.
0: (laughs) You fit right in.
1: How gonna think I'm from
0: here? <laughs> yes, yes, that's funny. My friends to be like, "Oh, there's Alicia. She's like running somewhere."
1: Oh my gosh! Even now at work, I'm, I just walk fast everywhere. Yeah, I'm like,
0: girl, just chill for a second. <laughs> it's like, no, I got things to do, people to see. I know, <laughs> like, <sighs> yeah. Yeah. too funny. Well, through all of those experiences, is there anything you would tell your younger self? If you could speak to her. Oh yeah. Um,
1: gosh. Breathe. Mm. And be kind to yourself. Mm. And then, I mean, I think those are just like the two. Um, I, I, I went through a really, really hard, I mean, you know, lots of traumatic experiences really from middle school into college, early thirties. And, um, I didn't know just even how to have compassion with myself.
0: Mm.
1: I didn't know. I didn't even have it. it, The thought in my mind that like my mental health doesn't have to be a battle. Mm
0: -hmm. Like
1: I can, just be gentle with me. Um, I think like a lot of the weight I have carried through my life and I'm, you know, I'm starting to understand it even better now Mm in my thirties. And I think I would just tell myself, like, you're going to be okay. Uh, you, you're going to figure it out. And, um, Yeah. I think I would just, I would give myself a hug (laughs) and just just be like, you have a big heart and you, you love to work hard at what you care about, which is people. Right. And I think I, I would just be like, yeah, like go easy on yourself. Yeah. It's weight of the world feels like it's on your shoulders, but it's not. Reach out, let people show you they care about you and just, mm. you don't have to, you don't have to like beat yourself up for everything. And that's things out of my control. You know, that's saying right. loved ones go through things. Um, right. I think I would just be like, Hey, things that have happened, things have happened to you that are out of your control. And, uh, you know, trauma is real. Mm -hmm. And when traumatic things happen to the body, it's like you really have to go next level of being kind to yourself. And I know for me, I just pushed even harder Mm -hmm. because when you're going through instability, it's like, I don't have a choice. Like, I cannot mess up. I don't have the room to slack off Uh, because it's like, you don't know where I'm going home to. (laughs) And like, I don't even know, like if I'm going to a home or if I'm going to someone's couch, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's, it's that level of instability that is really, it's very, very easy to just be like, I'm not doing enough. I am I like, why can't I get it together? Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think just those are very like what I'm learning now um, at this place in my life is just take care of yourself
0: mm-hmm.
1: and even like your value is not in everything you're doing it just starts with you just being and carrying like being in a good place and just like taking care of your body your mind mm-hmm. everything gets better from there that's the glow
0: up yes <laughs> your glow up into your soft girl era <laughs> or soft yeah! girl, woman, soft woman era yeah soft but strong you know yes yes like
1: to be like it's like an inner piece there's a piece that comes that is really it has to come just from from in from within and it has to come from like a place of forgiveness. Cause it's, I know like being a first gen, it comes with a lot of frustrations mm-hmm. and it can be angering, confusing, lost, you know, there's just a lot that we have to process. Mm-hmm. And I think like just giving yourself grace. Yeah. It's really, for me, it's like a new conversation, inner dialogue of like, mm.
0: good, you're good. I love that that's a perfect way to like wrap up the conversation of like, you're good. You'll be good. And give yourself a hug, rest in yeah. <laughs> your, your body and like treat your body how um it deserves. Right. Like what you, yeah. how you navigate. um What's that book? It's called um the body keeps score or something like that. I'm reading that
1: right now. Oh, you, you are getting
0: goosebumps <laughs> I'm reading
1: it right now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, powerful book. Yes, yes. It's
1: like you got to be. It's like it's so real. It's so raw, and it's just example after example of of different layers of traumatic experiences Mm -hmm. um, that ultimately, when it's it's really a book of self care and self awareness, Mm -hmm. and having compassion towards other people. Cause you never know what someone's gone through. First gen comes with a lot of experiences specific to us um, and the American system, right. Education system. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, trauma is also, I think something that is it's such a starting point of, of really understanding empathy and self-care and then like a toolkit. Of, what do you do
0: when you're like crumbling, you know, or you're trying to heal from the past? Right. It's yeah. In, I love in, that book. In tandem, uh, yeah, I'll definitely share the link to that book and all the information in the show notes so everyone can check it out. It's definitely a powerful like internal processing and dialoguing with self and um healing from all of that um whatever you've been through in life. Yeah. yeah. And continue
1: to go through and continue, that's life.
0: right? That's life. That's this journey that we're on. So it's about how do we build our toolkit? How do we build our community and our spaces to like, build that resiliency, knowing that we already have that resiliency, grit and hustle? And how can we lean more into grace, compassion for self and others and like, a softness to our experiences? Yeah.
1: I think that our society the conversations around like mental health and trauma, mm. and you know, talking about representation and marginalized groups, I think we are making growth in like we're having this conversation right here, you know, mm-hmm. it's a step. Mm-hmm. And I think we're gonna we're we're gonna see more growth and just it's gonna get better from here. It's yeah. messy. It's a messy process, <laughs> but I mean, we have the book, we have the, the language for it now like mm. we can actually unpack these things and theory helps with that education is just I my gosh I just I, education is everything for me it's freedom me too
0: even though it's so brutally stressful sometimes. <laughs> it is I think education and knowledge production is not the brutal part what the brutal part is the system through which we operate right so I think education is like you said liberation and freedom, and the 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 root of it all, and the way that it's indoctrinated is is the like system of oppression that yeah. we, that we don't vibe with.
1: <laughs> yeah, because the opposite that, that the opposite effect it has is insight mm-hmm. and context and like aha moments, mm-hmm. and finally, like I didn't know that's what that was back then, but now, like I actually can verbalize what I was going through or you know, like how I see that and it gives you the just the way to communicate and, you know pinpoint a goal, an objective, you know, a solution. um yeah, I I definitely I see myself in academia again at some point. I don't um, know in, in what capacity, but I miss I miss the classroom, I miss campus, I miss
0: I miss these conversations the energy behind it. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. would you want to get your PhD in journalism?
1: Ah, PhD potentially. I would also love to teach. Oh, I would love yeah. to work with other journalists who, you know, maybe are taking a step back from the newsroom and teach. I would love to maybe go to, back to Columbia and do a broadcast class yes. or, you know, a class or just even mm-hmm. a class in ethics and representing my marginalized communities ethically. And, um, you know, really, how do we tell the stories? of marginalized people uh, with more like fair context and really like clear, insightful writing that truly educates.
0: I love that. I guess that's our that's our ending thought. <laughs> you heard it here, Columbia University. <laughs> she's she's open to hire for broadcast, ethical um, representation. Give Samantha a call.
1: <laughs> yeah, call <tell> me. <laughs> um,
0: I love that I'm there,
1: I'm there. I'll let you know when I'm in town.
0: Yes, New York City. <laughs> um, I will drop all of her links to follow her. Make sure you follow her journey on Instagram, on Facebook, uh, be in touch with her if you want to learn more about journalism. She is a great human mentor support um, for us first gen homies. And oh, yeah. any last parting words, nuggets of wisdom?
1: Well, I had um I, there's two things. I had a uh, Harlem Globe Trotters come through my show today and they are a vibe. I had so much fun with them. And they just said one thing was believe in yourself. Oh yeah. Hustle, stay in the moment. And then the other thing is just like yeah, just just be good with you you know, uh, reach out for support, reach out for mentorship, know that you need help. And there's
0: people that are down to help you. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. We're out, yeah. Here.
1: Yeah. <laughs> We're out <laughs> here. We're
0: here. We're out here. If you don't know who to start, who to talk to or where to start, send me a DM on Instagram, yeah, I'm just at. Start, start somewhere. And I'll. if I don't know the answer, I'll find someone to support you. Um, there's someone at your institution. Um, As much as it might feel like there isn't, I I can assure you there's either a trio mentor or someone in student affairs who believes in this work or multicultural center that's there to support you. So reach out to us and we'll find that for you. We'll help you email them. We'll give you um, some training, some tools, some coaching around how to email people or cold message on LinkedIn. We'll help you with that um, and make sure you... Stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you so much, Samantha. This was great. Did you want don't to add something? Stop the, don't stop at the no. If yes. you're not
1: finding questions, people, they're just not your people. Like, keep going.
0: Yes, yes. And you stop. are
1: so good at networking and finding your people. I mean, that's why I'm here with you. So, um, thank yeah, you. social media. I love no, social media for you. that.
0: <laughs> so, yes, don't stop at the first no or the second or the third we're here we're sometimes we may not see it right away but we're here we're we're paying attention so please please check in with yourself and us and until the next one my friends
1: this was
0: amazing thank you yes yes thank you thank you thank you